Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, mothers. Um, my wife and I have the uh, privilege. Oh, kids, you can head out. Sorry. <clears throat> Dario's back there ready. Um, my wife and I have the privilege to have our mothers here today um, from out of town. They came for Andy's graduation ceremony, so that is really cool. Um, my voice is not here this morning, so be praying for me as we go. Um, I'm not sick anymore, but halfway through the week, I spent a whole night throwing up. That's more than you want to know, but it wrecked my vocal cords, and so waiting for that to come back. Um, <clears throat> but Lord willing, he'll give me the strength to get through. Um, we are in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. I'm going to try to speak soft, softer, and we will use the wonderful technology to amplify me. Um, Matthew chapter 26. Um, up to this point, they've been preparing for Passover. Um, last week, we saw just the sovereign hand of God preparing every step, every step of the way, preparing every step of the way for the purpose of grace that he would bring us through his son, Jesus. And now, that place already prepared for by God, <clears throat> for them to take Passover, they're gathered there. Matthew chapter 26, um, starting in verse 20. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and they were eating. <clears throat> and as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, he said, I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in this dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. When Jesus said to them, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away from away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. God, thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, thank you 
for doing this work that we're reading about. You went to the cross. Perfect obedience to the Father. Perfect trust to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Perfectly submitting yourself as one holy, as one blameless, the spotless lamb to shed your blood on the cross for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you. And as we read your word now, God, just help us to understand it uh, rightly. Your Holy Spirit teaches us by your word, guides us, instructs us, rebukes us, corrects us. So Lord, we pray that you do that this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he starts in verse 20. Um, While I was praying, the fan flipped the page. There we go. He starts in verse 20. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. They're beginning Passover. And right away, the mood is set with betrayal, a shadow. I can't imagine being one of the disciples there. Jesus keeps saying these crazy things like, I'm about to be delivered into the hands of the, the, the leaders, of the chief priests and Pharisees, and I'm going to be killed. And they haven't connected what he keeps saying when I'm raised up. They're not, not getting what that is about. And, and now, as there's already that somberness to what... You know, they're with Jesus. They're going with Jesus. They're, they know their life is potentially on the line to be with Jesus. And here he starts Passover with, one of you is going to betray me. In verse 22, and they were very sorrowful. I can't imagine... And begin to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? Can you imagine asking Jesus that, having followed him for three years? Um, I'm still taking, it'll probably take me 10 years to get through seminary. Um, My seminary education is nothing compared to what it would have been like to spend three years with Jesus, right? These are graduates of the greatest seminary in the presence of Jesus himself. And now they're wondering, am I the one that's going to betray you, Jesus? Um, Is it I, Lord? Um, What do you say? Verse 23, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. He wasn't identifying the person there. They They wouldn't know who was going to be. Even when Judas was sent off, uh, later, they, they thought, John makes it clear, they, they thought he was just going to take, he, he was the one who took care of money. He purchased things, so maybe he was going off to do something. So never in this do they get who it is. I think maybe John does, because he, Jesus, who is it, right? Um, but what is he saying here? It's, it's, it's just really the nature of this betrayal. The one who has shared this meal with me, the one who has dipped Bread in this dish has betrayed me. They, will have, they probably all had already done that. 
Um, he was dipped his hand in the dish. In 24, the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. That's what we've seen, as it is written. He, he is following the course of the sovereign Father. But woe, and all of these events are according to the sovereign Father, even the chosen disciple who would betray him is according to the purpose of the Father. But woe to him. Woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? Probably if you study through these things, Jesus was individually serving each of them. And it would have not been a question that they all were waiting to see his answer. It would have been a very personal thing. Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, you have said so. That's a, a Greek phrase, a figure of speech that kind of just puts the question back on the, on the one who's asking. It's, a, it's a kind of an affirmative, but it, it puts the responsibility back on them. So then it changes. See, they're, they're observing Passover. Passover is what they've been observing all, ever since leaving Egypt. And it's pointed towards this moment. Jesus is the Passover lamb, the lamb of God. But now Jesus is going to change the normal flow of Passover because not only is he observing Passover, he's starting something new. He's starting the Lord's Supper at the same time, which we observe, and it points back to the same event. Jesus, the Lamb, who shed his blood, whose body was broken for us. So in verse 26, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Now Passover is full of symbolism, and some have argued that literally the bread becomes his body. That's not what this is about. They would not have... You know, your body's right there, Jesus. This is not your body, <laughs> right? It's, that's not how they would have understood that. But oh, the significance of that, this change in protocol, the change in, in the order of things. This is my body, which is broken for you. Um, I can't imagine them fully understanding it yet even. But... What an incredible moment as Jesus begins to institute something new. Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. Scholars who are, are better at figuring these things out than me suggest this might be the third cup in the order of Passover, which would be a cup of blessing. But just know these are together. <laughs> Jesus is putting this together. This is a connecting point. He took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is new. This isn't part of Passover. This is them now having a new understanding of what's happening. And I love this part. We don't cover this normally because we read 
Paul's account in 1 Corinthians when we take communion. Um, Paul looks forward at the end that we will continue to take this until he comes. But in this part, in this account, Jesus also looks further forward to when his kingdom will be. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You know, I think when they do, when those disciples do, we're going to be there too. It's a good thing to meditate on what it's going to be like. Those disciples taking it new with Jesus in his kingdom, and we'll be there. We'll get to ask Peter some questions, right? All the rest, boy, I've got so many questions. Like later on when we get to the betrayal, who is the streaker? Mark, was that you? Anyway, the guy who ran off with no clothes on. Lots of questions when we get there, right? What was going on here? This is the whole point. What Jesus is doing, what he's about to do, all of the symbolism pointing to the cross, pointing to the blood of Christ, the broken body of Christ poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, even as betrayal overshadows, right? Verse 30 and when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. All right, they're done with Passover, done with the outer, the upper room. They go out to the Mount of Olives. Judas is no longer with them. I think perhaps Judas actually wasn't there for the Lord's Supper part either. Um, part way through there. But when they'd gone out to the Mount of Olives, verse 31, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away from me. Fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. All of you fall away. Not only the shadow of betrayal, but now the shadow of desertion. All of you disciples will fall away. We're here with you, Jesus. <laughs> this purpose that you're on, we're going to help you. We're going to be with you. Only Jesus would go to the cross. Verse 32, he says, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. I don't think that even registered in their brains what he was talking about there. Jesus knew the full plan of God. He's saying, here, we're all going to meet up in Galilee after I'm raised from the dead. They didn't get it. They would get it later. You know, yeah, we're going to go to that place in Galilee we like to meet up in. It would have to be the, the ladies that later came and saw the empty tomb that would deliver that message back to the disciples. Hey, remember when Jesus said we're going to meet up in Galilee? He's He's going. 
Got to go meet him, right? But no, they're overcome with what's happening. I would be overcome with what's happening. Um, Peter. Peter answered him. Though they all fall away because of you, all these other disciples, even if every one of them falls away, I'm not going to. Right? I will never fall away, says Peter. We know Peter. I can picture it. He was genuine. He believed it. I imagine he was tearfully, emotionally passionate. No, Jesus, I will not. I'm here, right? (laughs) Oh, Jesus' words. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. How unthinkable in Peter's mind that is. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. All the other disciples said the same. No one loves you like I do. He's genuine. The disciples were genuine. No, we're here with you. We're going to help you in this. They needed a savior. None of them had what it took. None of us have what it takes. You know, we like to think that maybe we can help God. Maybe in this whole process of salvation, yeah, God, I'm going to take part of this. And we're just as passionate, just as convinced in our own minds that yes, God, here's what I can do to help you. And we have these passionate moments. I mean, just in life, we have passionate moments of commitment, uh, wonderful moments. I remember um, when we had our first baby, when we had Andy. It's like, as a new father, here is what I am going to be, the perfect father. There's never going to be a father like the father that I'm going to be. And how many times have I failed, right? I've come up short from what I saw I needed to be. When we're married, brand new married, my wife, there as we're saying our vows, I still can't remember much that day. It all kind of, but I'm going to be the best husband, right? I, I, I'm all in. I'm genuine. I, I'm, I, I believe it. How many times I have been less than that, far less than what a husband should be. In our commitment to Christ, so many times, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, this is, I am going to be faithful to you, Lord. And then, just like them, that very night, God, what did I do? What happened? The Garden of Gethsemane will come next. We'll get into that next week. How's it go for the disciples? They can't even stay awake. Jesus is going through his really most difficult temptation time, right? 
we see the raw agony of the humanity that Christ has taken on. He says, I don't don't want to take this cup, this cup of suffering. But not my will, your will be done. The greatest example of, of submissive prayer, of praying according to the will of God given to us in the person of Christ, honestly laying down his heart before the Father three times. And what were his disciples doing? Supporting him, therefore, they were falling asleep. And then they get down to the garden in Gethsemane and Jesus says, all right, it's time, wake up. My betrayer's coming. He knew every bit of what was happening. It's dark. They're coming with lanterns and, and all of these clubs and swords, the chief priests and elders and all of their, their goonies or whatever it says they are. And Peter I am here. I'm going to prove it, God. I am here to the end. He draws his sword. I don't know if he held it like that. I Takes a swing, the servant of the high priest. I think he missed. I don't think he was going for the ear. He's not that accurate. Cuts off his ear. Let me show you. How many times? God, let me show you the fervor that I have. I am all in on this. Watch this, God. (laughs) How many times have I done that? Wait, God, where are you? There's already the somberness. There's already the tension. There's already the remorse from what God, the Lord's words saying, you all will deny me. You all will fall away. And Jesus is trying to prove, I mean, Peter's trying to prove otherwise. And then what does Jesus tell him? If we skip, we're going to jump ahead a little bit and follow Peter. Verse 52, Jesus says to Peter, Put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? A rebuke from Jesus. No, we're following the Father's will. You know, Follow my lead. I'm doing this willingly. I could at any moment do so much more than your sword. Your poor little sword. It's not going to stand up against all of these, no matter how much your willingness is in there to jump in. No, what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father right now, we're following it. It's to willingly lay down my life Peter's rebuked. They're overcome. Jesus is arrested and bound. And all of the disciples flee. Just like he said. What does Peter do? 
Peter's still overcome. I can't imagine Peter. What he's thinking, what he's feeling. But he, he follows him. 57, if you go down to 50, verse 57. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where he, the scribes and elders had gathered, and Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. He's abandoned Jesus, but he can't. He can't stand to, to not see. Well, as Peter's there and his things are going on, what happens? Verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it. Oh, Peter. Before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. How many times? We've been, we're so committed. God, this is how I'm going to be in the moment. And then the moment comes and we're so caught up in the moment. Our fears, <laughs> our reactions. That's where Peter's at. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant go saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. More than just denied it, now he denies it and swears. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. You're one of those from up north. You're a Galilean. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself, right? <laughs> Even worse than just an oath, he's cursing himself and to swear I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter's broken. Bitter regret. He must have remembered Jesus' teaching. Right? In one area of teaching, Jesus had said, don't fear those who can kill the body, but can't kill the soul. He who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father. But what? Verse 33. In Matthew chapter 10, back in Matthew chapter 10. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Peter's in a hopeless place. He's failed. Doesn't matter how much he had professed his commitment to Christ before. He's and brokenness and bitter regret. What regrets do you carry? Seems like the older we get, the more we pile on.
bitter regret. Sometimes we don't even want to express it. Maybe you've never expressed it, not even to the Lord. But it's back there. Here's what Peter didn't understand. What Passover was about. What the Lord's Supper was about. What the cross was about. Was to take our guilt and our shame and everything that is the foundation of our regrets, that Jesus would take that to the cross so that it can be forgiven. Yes, Peter failed. Yes, those who deny me before men, I will deny before my Father, but it's not over because the cross. God wasn't done with Peter yet. The purpose of grace that was moving forward was a purpose of grace also in Peter's life and in the lives of every single other disciple except one. There was a difference with one. What's the difference? We saw it actually When they're saying, is it I, Lord? When he's saying that one of you will betray me. Verse 22, all the disciples say, is it I, Lord? But what does Judas say? Verse 25, is it I, Rabbi, teacher? We don't have any record of Judas calling him Lord. John goes into more detail of Judas. Judas was the one who didn't believe. When they were, Jesus was washing feet, and Peter's going, well, if, I, if that's the only way I have part with you, then wash my whole body. And you're saying, well, no, you, those who are clean don't need to be made clean again, don't need a bath. And they're all clean except for one. There's one who wasn't clean, who didn't believe, who didn't have Jesus as Lord in his heart. What, was the, what had the position of Lord in Judas' heart. It was money. John makes it clear when, when um, Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus, was, was pouring the, the expensive perfume on the head of Jesus, you know, a, a few days before this, that, that perfume worth almost a whole year's wages. And the disciples speak up saying, well, that could have been given to the poor. The disciple that spoke up was Judas. And John makes it clear, he wasn't speaking up because he cared about the poor. It's because he had been taking from the money bags, right? Lord of his heart was money. The grace of God is extended to everyone who received Jesus to be Lord.
And if you have Jesus as Lord in your heart, it doesn't matter how badly you failed. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed. It doesn't matter how deep the regrets, the bitterness of the regrets. If Jesus is Lord, that's enough. Right? Here's the first question in the notes. It is the most important question in our life. Is Jesus my Lord? If he is, you're forgiven. The purpose of grace that so sovereignly was being moved forward through the events that we have been reading and continues then in the life of the disciples, continues in the life of every disciple that confesses Jesus as Lord in your life and my life. A purpose of grace. That's what we don't deserve. It's... it's, What Jesus still has called Peter to, even Jesus' great failures have not disqualified him, have not removed him from the purpose that God has designed for him. Because it's by grace, not because of Peter's performance. How well he's done. How perfectly he's followed the Lord. If Jesus is Lord in your heart, he's not done with you yet. Doesn't matter what you've done. He's not done. Well, what does Peter do? He does what we all do. He goes back to what was before. He tells the other disciples, let's go fishing. We just go back to our life before our calling. We go back to what we were doing before. Jesus set us apart. We go, like, no, I just, no, I'm a failure. God, I'm, I'm washed out. I'm, I'm no good. I didn't call you because you're good. <laughs> I didn't call you, Peter, because of how much you're going to do for the kingdom of God, how great your skills are. No, you're the man who puts his foot in his mouth and always does the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's why I chose you, because my grace is going to be great through you. And when I take just the way that I made you, Peter, this firecracker, and then you submit your life in an incredible way through the power of the Holy Spirit with me as your Lord guiding you, then you're going to be the tool. But I didn't choose you for what you're going to do for me. It's what I'm going to do through you. It's the same with us, but what we do is we go, God, I failed you. <laughs> we just go back. Return to whatever it is. Maybe there's, there's an addiction. Maybe there's some, some sin that we've struggled with. You're just, uh, I'm no good. I just go back. Well, he goes fishing. And sovereignly, God shoes away the fish. They don't catch anything. Sometimes that's what God does with us too. I'm just going back. Well, it's not the way it used to be. And God doesn't let it be the way it used to be. Right? He loves you too much for that. No, this is not you. This is not what I've called you to. This does not identify you. This is not going to satisfy you. I have a purpose for you. They caught no fish. 
And then this guy yells out from shore. So this is after Jesus' resurrection, right? A guy calls out from shore, you know, cast on the right side of the boat. You know, you've been casting on the left. I'm not going to make any political jokes. Cast on the other side of the boat. And their nets are filled with fish. John, the one who Jesus loved, the way he puts it, tells Peter, it's the Lord. I think Peter probably already figured that out. But Peter, the crazy one, the all-in one, it's the Lord. He can't wait for the boat to get back. He dives in to swim to shore. What's Jesus doing there? He's fixing fishes and loaves. How many times have they seen the provision of God, provision of Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, when he fed the 4,000, breaking apart fishes and loaves? His provision has never ended. His provision for you has never stopped. It's just as powerful, just as complete, just as much everything needed to accomplish the task before you as was what there before. Your failure doesn't define you. Your regrets are not who you are. His grace is what defines us. I want to follow the rest of Peter's story in John's account. Let's turn over to John chapter 21. He's there with Jesus. John chapter 21 and verse 16. Sorry, sorry, verse 15. You might not have it because I put it in the notes wrong and my wife follows exactly what I put into the notes. She fixes everything I put into the notes. Okay, there we go. Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? What did he mean by these? Grammatically, contextually, it could mean three things. Do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Or do you love me more than you love these other disciples? Or do you love me more than you love these fish? In other words, your profession. Jesus is about to reinstate Peter. He does the same thing in our lives. And so it makes the most sense to me that he's going back to Peter's claims. Even if they all fall away, I will never. Peter, your great claims. Even if I have to die, I will never. In my strength, in my will, I will continue to follow you, Lord. So his first question, Jesus, do you love me more than these other disciples? Just like you said you did. You know what God does with us? It consistently does with us. And it's part of his grace. This is our second point. 
His grace confronts my sin. Right? It, it doesn't overlook my sin. That's not his grace. That's not how it works. His grace confronts my sin because the cross provided what's needed for my sin. What is our natural response? We hide. That's why sometimes regrets that we hold, we've never actually put into words. There's, a, there's a, an experience or an event or something that has us scarred with regret. And we have never, even in our prayer life, expressed to God, here is what I feel. Here's where I'm at. I, and, I, and I pity myself. I, I, I look down on myself because of it. God, I, I'm the worst kind of human being and... and, and, and but to just tell God that, honestly, from your heart, put into words what that is. But the reason we don't is because our natural response is to hide. No, I don't want anybody to see that part of me. I don't want to even acknowledge that part of me. But His grace, it is His truth that sets us free, the light of truth exposing in our inner being those things that we don't even see. And then when His Holy Spirit, by His Word, reaches in and gently illuminates, uncovers those things, and then just bathes them in his grace and love. And the cross, the power of the cross is enacted there in those things that I hold on to and don't even want to express. Then I'm set free. I'm forgiven. I can openly acknowledge those things because they no longer are who I am. I'm not identified by guilt and shame. I'm identified through the cross in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. A creature made new by His grace. We see a whole different Peter in the New Testament, don't we? The, in our men's study, we just went through First Peter. Boy, it's a whole different Peter. What does he write in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7? Humble yourselves. Boy, just read this in light of what Peter went through with the Lord to finally find that place where he was finally ready. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Not, not that person who's yeah, God, look at how good I'm going to serve you. Look at, God, how, how uh, just my will is going to really, I'm going to be there for you when it's time. No, God, I can't. That's, God, I need your strength to accomplish your calling. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, in his time, according to his way, he may exalt you, reinstate you, and just look at what goes with that. You see why these go together? 
Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is Peter being served by Jesus with fishes and loaves, being reinstated. And so we see then, back in John chapter 21, in verse 16, he said to Jesus, well, actually, back to 15, sorry. Um, Peter finished breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. This is his calling. This is his purpose. It hasn't changed. Your failure, Peter, has not changed my purpose for your life. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And, and one of the, you know, something that's interesting to look at, it, it comes out in the way the Spanish translated it, is Jesus keeps asking him, do you agape love me? And Peter's only answering, um, is it phileo? I think it's the, it's love, but it's not that super sacrificial love. Um, in the Spanish, they, they put it, yes, Lord, you know I want you. Yo quiero, <laughs> right? Do you love me? Yes, you know I want you, right? Verse 16, he said to him second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Again, restating his calling. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you want me? Do you, the lower form of love, me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Sometimes God takes us through a similar process. Do you really love me? Is your heart, is, am I really in that position in your heart? Yes, you're fallen. Yes, you're broken. But here's the one thing that matters. Do you love me? All right, that's enough. Here's the purpose for your life. What matters is that I have that position in your heart. Now remember, Peter had said, even if I have to die, I won't, I won't deny you, right? Well, what does Jesus say now? Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Peter, I'm going to lead you. I am going to make you that man who would die for me. 
And according to tradition, what we understand from early writings, they crucified Peter. But he said, I can't be killed like my Lord. So the tradition says that they crucified him upside down. He counted it an honor. And then look what Jesus says. This is what he says to each one of us. Reinstating us. Reaffirming our calling. And what is necessary that Jesus has our heart. And after saying this, he said to him, two words, follow me. That's it. Is Jesus your Lord? Right? Humble yourself before him. Let him confront your sin. Free you from those things. He will reinstate you. Let him have your heart. Here's the third point. His grace is greater than my failures. His invitation remains. Follow me. I have a purpose for you. Right? You know, with the story of Peter fresh in mind, I would encourage you, go read 1 Peter. Go experience Peter after the cross. Peter after the Holy Spirit has, has filled him. What do you find in 1 Peter? He's the one who tells us about the living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knows it. He was hopeless before. We have a living hope through his resurrection. Peter, the one who took out his sword in his own strength, he was going to battle the armies. What does he tell us in 1 Peter? He says, follow Christ's example, who was reviled but didn't revile in return, who was suffered but didn't threaten, who continued entrusting himself into the hands of the Father. That's what Jesus was doing in that moment. He was saying, Peter, don't you realize I could, I could bring all of this down? No, I am entrusting myself to the Father's will. That's what we see in 1 Peter. And it's in 1 Peter that we read Peter saying, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. What a different Peter. Rejoice. Peter, you're crazy. Rejoice when you, when you face trials. Peter realized it wasn't him, it was all Jesus. Jesus is his Lord and there's no greater privilege than to follow him. Not in my strength, not according to what I can do, but according to his grace on my life. His grace that has saved me, has forgiven my sin, has given me a purpose. A grace that's greater than my failure. 
I want us to take just a moment to pray. Respond to the Lord in these things. And let's just pray first to confess Jesus as Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are worthy of that place in our heart. You're not just Lord because you're the creator and you're over all things, God, but you're Lord in our lives because you are worthy. You are most to be desired as Lord. Even the things of this world, God, that contend for my heart. Money, recognition, comfort. God, there's a lot of things that contend for my heart. But you, Jesus, your Lord, confess that to me. And you know, maybe if this is the first time you've ever truly confessed Jesus as Lord, <laughs> then you're starting something brand new this morning, a new life. That's all it is to be a Christian. So let's just take time and confess Jesus as Lord. Let's invite our Lord to reveal faults and failures within us. Maybe for the first time, put into words before the Lord your own regrets, your own failures, the things that have just stayed hidden for far too long. Let's confess those to the Lord. Through the cross, you're forgiven. By his blood, you're set free. You are covered by his grace. Know that, believe it. And his invitation stands for us to follow him. You're not divine by your failures, you're defined by his grace. So let's just pray a simple prayer. That our yes is on the table. God, whatever you have for us, it's like we're in a meeting with Jesus. And God, whatever you're going to put before us, and you're calling us to follow you in, that here's our yes. My yes is the answer to whatever it is. My yes is on the table. Let's just pray that to the Lord. Or in your own words, tell him, yes, I will follow you. Lord Jesus, we confess just as Peter does at the beginning of his letter that 
through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, we have living hope. Hope that doesn't abandon, hope that doesn't go away, hope that stays with us, the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, even through our failures. You never leave us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace that abounds far greater than every failure, every sin, every time that I've walked away from you, God. You have been faithful. Your love overcomes all of that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us as a church, as individuals, to walk in the life, the blood-bought life that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, church. More than all the things you have And more than all the things you give And beyond all the things you do All I want is you And I don't need to know the plan and I don't need to understand Why you do the things you do All I need is you And I will seek your face In this holy place and I will fall to my knees And I'll worship you And in the midst of my strife Lord, you're the light of my life And my heart will not fear as I wait for you More than all the things you have And more than all the things you give Beyond all the things you do Lord, all I want is you I don't need to know the plan And I don't need to understand Why you do the things you do All I need is you And I will seek your face here in this holy place And I will fall to my knees And I'll worship you And in the midst of my strife Lord, you're the light of 
my life And my heart will not fear As I wait for you 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 Wait for you. Waiting on the Lord sometimes is not an easy thing to do, but it's one of the ways that we can show our faith and trust in Him. Wherever you're at right now, you can wait on Him. Trust Him. Um, happy Mother's Day, mothers. <clears throat> so glad uh, we worship together and honor you this morning. We do have something for you back there. I'm going to be back at that table. I'd like you to come pick that up. Um, I want to reiterate camp registration. Uh, third through sixth graders. Um, we actually have some openings, and it would be helpful if we could find some people to take those. Um, uh, but So if you know any third through sixth graders that would benefit from uh, Bible camp, um, go ahead and point them in the direction. They can actually go ahead and use that, that registration info that's on there. Um, you go to the link, and when it asks you, you put in the code. Um, we are supposed to... <laughs> We're learning through this process. This is our first one. So um, getting the information out to everybody in time has been a struggle for us. Uh, but this is today our due date to have all the online registrations done. Um, and so if you can help us with that, I hate to ask moms to do this on Mother's Day. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like so typical, right? Um, but uh, let's try to get all of the online registrations done. I don't know yet what exactly the penalty is. If we don't, we'll find that out too, probably. Um, but that's, that's due today. Um, and if you need help with that, please reach out. We can help you throughout the day today. So happy Mother's Day. You guys have a wonderful week.